Welcome into Arrowhead Pride Radio. Arrowhead Pride, the most popular Chiefs website on all of the internet. Pass intercepted. It's Dan Sorensen. A pick six. Dan Sorensen. Dirty Dan Sorensen. All Chiefs, all the time. Here's Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. And welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, Arrowhead Pride. Dot com. Pete Sweeney, Rob Brinton producing the operation. Good evening, Pete. Good evening, Jay. Here we go. Playoffs are, are here. Getting ready for Sunday night football. Six games. Are you happy with this time slot? Are you happy the Chiefs got the Sunday nighter once again? No. Why? <laughs> I prefer Sunday at noon. That is my favorite time slot. It will always be my favorite time slot, but... I am happier with the Sunday option instead of Saturday. I think it just feels more normal to the team, and especially a team that is run by head coach Andy Reid, who really lives and dies by that routine. I, I think it plays into their strengths. Andy Reid, as far as uh, injuries are concerned, it was very short. Everybody practiced today. There you go. Everybody practiced today. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were out there, Pete, Quick. watching things go Quick. on. I know the Chiefs, there's a few issues going in. Uh, Tyree Kill with the um, with the heel from last I week. Mean, you should have seen though Tyree Kill dancing on the field today. So the heel is fine as far as the dancing yeah. was concerned. I was out there and he was dancing up a storm. He was fielding punts. He was pivoting. We got the injury report and a lot of good news really for the Chiefs. But Tyree Kill was the full participant. There were two limited participants. It was Daryl Williams. Stealing with that toe issue. And Clyde Edwards Elaire actually practiced and was limited, but he practiced for the first time in six workouts. So he hadn't seen a practice since the last time the Chiefs played the Steelers. And of all three of these guys, you concerned about either one of them? You concerned I about think all three toe? are gonna play. I, I I think all three are are, are good to go. I, especially Hill, who's a, a full participant. That's usually a really good sign that he's good to go. Darrell Williams, I expect by the end of the week, should be good to go. And then Clyde Edwards-Elair has been trending in that way, originally week to week. Week to week would, I think, indicate this. the third week should be uh, a possible start for him and, and good that he's back at practice, even though he was limited. And speaking of the running game, you asked the question to Andy Reid, because here, here's, the, here's the importance of this question. First of all, if the Chiefs come out to a hot start, build the lead, will they go and choose to use the running game? Steelers have given up more than 200 yards rushing, two of the last four. They're 32nd in the NFL at stopping the run. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't think of the Steelers being that bad against the run. Yes, they can get to the quarterback. They're number one in sacks. We'll get to that in just a minute. But you asked a question about the running back by committee. This is where Daryl does come to play. Coach, I know you guys are, are going to see about Clyde edwards Lair, but in his absence, really, you've had a lot of contributions uh, at the running back position. Is it safe to say it could be a committee hot hand type of Weber's? playing best because it's the postseason and may, maybe the one you guys go with? Well, we've kind of, you know, we've kind of done that throughout here. Just roll guys in and everybody's had their little role uh, with the offense. And um, and so uh, we'll keep doing that. We try to keep guys fresh and the best you possibly can, you know, against a real, really good defense. Um, so we it won't be any different than during the season where we did that. Well, the, the part they are good on defense, 55 sacks, number one in the NFL getting there. Of course, you have 22 and a half sacks from T.J. Watt. And mm-hmm. They can get to the quarterback. Against the pass, they're ninth in the league. They were fourth last time. They were a little bit better. Yeah. They slipped all the way down. But they're 20, they're 32nd against the run. 
So they're not doing well at stopping the run. I mean, it's feast or famine. They like to get the quarterback, but they sacrifice running lanes uh, by doing that. And then, obviously, Daryl, over 1,000 scrimmage yards. We all know the great season Daryl's had. Then you have Clyde back in the mix. And then, of course, could have a combination with Gore, McKinnon. Well, yeah, no, I I think that question, in my mind, was more about Derek Gore and and Jarek McKinnon, right? Because... If Clyde and, and Daryl are a little bit banged up and, and we do expect them to dress and play, are you going to dress for running backs? Do, does Derek Core come off the field? Does Jarek McKinnon come off the field? And and there's a question there that it's like, should they be coming off the field with how they've looked? And do you have to make that choice? Like, what are what are they going to do in, in that sense? Do we live in a world now, after seeing what McKinnon and Gore can do, where if one of these guys is playing well, are they playing over a Clyde or a Daryl? You know, that was kind of the energy behind the question. And <laughs> Andrew gave me uh, uh, the answer he's going to give me, which is not really going to indicate what he's going to do uh, in that sense. So I'm, I was just curious about that, and I guess we'll just have to see on Sunday night. Should we expect a sequel with Derek Bieniemy tomorrow about <laughs> the running backs by committee? They are hand in hand. They, they, they go as they go, as, the, as you can say. Well, the Steelers have been talking too, including Mike Tomlin, because I don't know. If, I know you watched the game on Sunday night. Pete, mm-hmm. it was exciting. You and I were texting back and forth about yeah. Herbert throwing dimes, look good, but he's not making the playoffs once again. <laughs> and I'll say this the second year of Justin Herbert, he's on the couch watching the playoffs with Cheetos. Second year of Patrick Mahomes, he already had an MVP in the bag <laughs> from the year before. Won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl MVP. Not a lot of comparisons, but Mike Tomlin was asked because it didn't matter because it came down to a tie. Right. Ben Rossberger's in Tahiti. He's on a, you know, yeah. in retirement tour. But this is what Tomlin Tahiti. had to say. What? Tahiti? I don't go Fiji. Where, where does he go? <laughs> I don't know. Ask him. You're right. Did you watch the game Sunday night? How much of it did you do? What were you thinking when you're watching that thing unfold? And were you surprised they kicked the field goal to try to win? Um, I, I missed the end of it. I dozed off. Um, <laughs> I knew I had a work day. Waiting on me, or I assumed that I had a work day. Wild. Uh, waiting on me. Um, I, I think at one point Oakland was up by 15, and that number made you somewhat comfortable. Um, I'm probably better off not having watched it. Uh, um, <laughs> so it's probably not as exciting of a description as you you would have hoped. Yeah, I watched it. You watched it. As a matter of fact, I think I texted. It's like, man, I'm not sure the Chargers are out of this thing because no. the Raiders just could not show they could stop them. Then all the going for on fourth down. Eventually comes back to bite him. He takes the timeout. What do you what do you think was going to happen? Because what I what I found interesting about that Chargers comeback is a lot of the conversions were coming not only on fourth down, but it, it had to be fourth and long, fourth and long, three or four times in a row, and they continued to fight and fight. And Most in thirty years conversions. I, yeah, I and I mean you saw these two games with the Chiefs and the Chargers this year, where in you know, you know the first game. The Chargers got the better of the Chiefs in the second game. The Chiefs rallied back. I think these are two teams that are going to be having those type of battles for years, which is going to be fun to watch. And the Chargers were were pushing there. They they made it into overtime. And then I I tend to think they made a crucial mistake. We were talking about it on the drive earlier today. I don't know what Staley was thinking in the timeout. Let's say they are still going to kick a field goal. Maybe it's a little bit longer because you're letting the clock run out and they're just going to get it to two seconds and maybe kick a 50-yarder. And then maybe the Chiefs are playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Didn't happen. The Raiders end up making the field goal. I thought it was a an interesting season for the Chargers. A better season than we've seen, but still, in a sense, the same result. And really a worse result because you get a worse draft pick. And the one thing about it, too, is, I mean, how do you swamp the AFC West? Because if I would have told you, Pete, before the year, 
and we, we our first episode of AP Radio um, back in September, and I was said, "All right, there's going to be two teams that make the postseason in the AFC West." Mm-hmm. And I would say, just ask beyond you, ten other people. I think the Chiefs Chargers would have been the consensus. Yeah, I don't think there would have been another team in there. Broncos, doubt it. Raiders, right. doubt it. And that's before you knew what happened to the Raiders. They just collapsed, but still made it. But I don't think people would have even said either of those well, teams. They would have said the Chargers. I'll tell you this. I I, I, I think people are going to learn to not put the Chargers in first place. I think that finally happens this offseason. Well, they won't learn. Pete, but, they'll be right there. But I think this is a division. You know, you talk about the, the Broncos and the Raiders. The Raiders are in it right now as, what, the, they're the fifth seed, right? So the Raiders are in it right now. And then the Broncos are likely going to get a quarterback. It seems like a very attractive place for a big-name quarterback. And so this is this is really looking like the the best division in football or, or trending that way. And I, and what I find interesting about that is, you know, I, I think as we go along here, even despite what was in his terms a down year for Patrick Mahomes, eventually those talks about the Brady thing will come back because I think he's really turned into a better quarterback this year. I think you're going to see better numbers next year now that he's went through different looks and can probably adjust on the fly a little bit easier. There's probably going to be somewhat of a rebuild to some of his mechanics, I think, in the offseason to make sure he's ready for these type of games and he's going to be even better next year. But what you're going to see, I think, is a, is a AFC West that's a lot better. And then you think about Brady. Man, Brady was beating up on the AFC East for years and years and years, and you got that a little bit at the beginning of Patrick Mahomes' career, but with Herbert and quarterback X in Denver – Derek Carr has been playing a little bit better, especially this year. I think this is going to be a great division, and it's a it's it stinks when you when you think about the those comparisons that Mahomes will eventually get because he's going to end up losing games at some point in the division because naturally it's it's getting better and not only better again I I think it's going to rival the NFC West for the best division in football. He's twenty one and three against this division, thirteen in a row in road games. Yeah. in this division, very impressive. You beat the Broncos. Very hard to do. You beat the Broncos thirteen straight times. I'm curious where this quarterback is going to come from. Again, I love the Broncos roster. I've talked me to me too. This. I've told Me you too. I like the roster better than I do the Chargers. But and they're, I said they need two things: quarterback and coach. The coach is going to be a different coach. They went defense last time. They'll go offense this time. I do believe. Forget about the David Quinn stuff. I see them going offense, but I'm not sure where that quarterback comes from. Because I don't see it in the draft for the Denver Broncos unless they're wanting to wait and see what happens, which it might take a couple of years for them to be viable. And then all of a sudden, which, which with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, it's got extensions. But then all of a sudden, that's going to start coming up, and Jerry Judy's going to get this his next why... contract. But what are they going to do outside of you know Russell yeah. Wilson? That I think probably if he's if he is moved, goes to the Giants, right? Not Denver. Deshaun Watson becomes more attractive because Brian Flores is now gone from Miami, it, who wanted him. It's done in Miami, essentially. That's what they've been saying. So Deshaun to Denver would make the most sense, but he's still got a lot of stuff to clear up. That would make a difference, though, a big change. I I mean, you're looking in Kansas City and getting ready for the season, and you're getting ready for two Mahomes-Herbert matchups, two Mahomes-Watson matchups. It'll be entertaining, but it's just going to be a, a tough and tall task to continue to a, win a division, and, I mean, we've seen it in the past, Jay. When these divisions beat up on each other, it's harder to win what is now one top seed. You know, you have a, a, a division like the AFC South, it's a lot easier to get it done because you're not facing those types of challenges. And so 
We'll see. I mean, that's the way the NFL is. There's divisions for a reason. It's more entertaining for the fans, but it does create somewhat of an unfair playing field, especially when a division is improving this rapidly. And the Chiefs just totally dominated this decision. By the way, uh, Ben Roethlisberger did, did talk today. He's playing the card. No one believes in us. I mean, we're <laughs> this probably is so 20 dumb. point underdogs, and we're going to the number one te- the number one team. That's I know they're not the number one team, but they're the number one team that's won the AFC the last two years. Um, arguably the best team in football. Um, we don't have a chance, so let's just go in and play and have fun. Ben's being sarcastic. No one's given us a chance. He even said that uh, out of 14 teams, they would be the 14th. You know, I would assume as a group you understand that, you know, we probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. We're the – out of 14 teams I think are in, we're probably number 14. Um, we're a double-digit underdog in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. They're giving each other a lot of respect. As a matter of fact, Andy Reid went on with the Pittsburgh media today. You have to erase that game and just you know move forward because in this league, we've all had games where things weren't quite working right, and you know the other team it does work right. So um, you know, and then if you have a chance to play that team again, um, then you got to start from scratch. Especially if the team's playing so well. I mean, they, these guys are playing like a number one C right now. So, you know, they uh, well, we've got to make sure we're ready for that. So they're all playing the game. Ben's playing the no respect card. Oh. Andy Reid's doing what he should do. Coach Reid. Give the Steelers their respect. You don't put any bulletin board material out there, which he's not doing. He, he must have heard the, the karma Big Ben was putting into the universe and needed to reverse it quickly. And yeah. so he said that the number seven seeded Steelers are playing like the Number one seed. But I thought it was kind of funny ben, considering what Ben said. There's no chance. So that it's it's great. I mean, this is great for 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 the media. We love to write about this stuff. I mean, here's the thing, Pete. We look at it as, a, <laughs> as maybe a half by. I mean, yeah. with seating does matter. You and I were going back and forth with someone on Twitter about the seating and how it just yeah. get healthy. It does matter because you got the Steelers in this game and you didn't want to go play on the road. Chiefs could have slipped to the third or fourth seed in that game, depending how things worked out that weekend. You take the games at Arrowhead. They're giving up 8.8 points a game. They've won five of the la- at Arrowhead their last five games. They've won five of the last six games at Arrowhead Stadium in the playoffs. No, you take that and just hope the Titans will lose in the divisional round and have Arrowhead throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, we, we'll end up seeing what happens here. they got to get it done first on, on Sunday night. But if they do, you know, you get the, the next home game and you see, right? Uh, you had the number two seed in the 19 year when they had a – a parade downtown, and they ended up hosting the AFC title game because the Patriots got upset by the Titans. Now we'll see if that that can happen again. And you got to play all your games because, as you saw on Sunday, you just never know. Davis Mills almost rallied back. If there were like one or two less mistakes, if David Cully doesn't all make pulled for Davis, if David Cully doesn't would make what was a very confusing challenge at the end. I I think he 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 gypped himself of a of a last chance there, but. It is what it is, but that's why you you play in Denver and and you play to win that game, and that's why it was such a, a big play by Melvin Ingram and, and Nick Bolton to get that W because it really put the pressure on Tennessee. And I think the same thing in a scenario next week where if you're you're in a divisional round and you're able to get a win, well, we don't know how the schedule is going to turn out. Pressure's on on Tennessee again. And the bottom line is nobody really made a huge statement. <laughs> Everybody talked about the Chiefs game and how close it was. Right. Look at the Bills. That game was thirteen to ten at home against the Jets. Going into the fourth quarter, it was nobody really played impressive. You mentioned the Titans and the Texans. We'll talk about Melvin Ingram. Plus, I want to get your opinion on who the Chiefs rookie of the year is this year later on the show. But coming up next, a lead analyst from ArrowheadPride.com, Ron Cop. 
listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief. Arrowheadpride.com. The plaid prince himself. Without plaid. You were talking about Tahiti. This song makes me feel like I'm on Tahiti. Where else is he going to go? If you're Ben, where do you go? I heard he's going to live in Pittsburgh after his career is over. He's going to take a vacation, though. But think about this, though. Surprising to me. Think about his mindset, Pete. And the bottom line is, Mm. you know, he's going to be walking off the sunset the next day. And again, I've said he's going to be stoned in the pocket where Legereus Sneed comes off the corner in a, uh, in a nickel blitz, he's not going to be like Mahomes and Carr and Burrow and Herbert, these guys that escape the pocket, he'll go straight down. He's got a business decision ahead of him. You, th- you think he's going to be lying down a little bit? Uh, not, not laying down, but if they get to him, he's going to go down because he's got Tahiti to go to. Yeah, I get that. Let's go to Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com, at Ron underscore K-O-double-P, <laughs> according to Pete Sweeney. Good evening, Ron. Good to talk to you, fellas. Uh, Ron Sabato, I wanted to say real quick, Pete, I heard you say that people are going to learn the lesson about the Chargers next offseason. I really I want, I want, really don't think so. I really feel like them losing, <laughs> if, any, if anything, it's going to fuel the fire for people to use that card as, oh, they're motivated, Herbert's going to keep progressing. I, I bet it could be even worse this offseason with people picking the Chargers to win it. That's, I, I just wanted to get that out there real quick. I think well, you're right. I'm tending to think that the Chiefs are going to go on a run here. I just feel like the AFC is just such a a, a even type of field right now. I, I I think if the Chiefs turn it on, they're going to go on a run. And, yeah. And may may get to that, that fourth straight AFC title game, you know? Well, they've got the discipline. They've got the experience to make a run. And, Ron, when you look at these playoff teams in the AFC – you know, outside of the Raiders and kind of the Bengals towards the end, you look at all these teams, like the Patriots there when they were on a roll were identified as the team to beat in the AFC. The Bills got that uh, were king of the hill there for a while when they beat the Chiefs, the team to beat. The Titans have been labeled that when they beat the Bills and the, and the Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. But everybody's been billed as the team to beat. The Chiefs are, of course, in that group there. So my question to you is, who do you trust the most? Take yourself out of Kansas City. Who do you trust the most in the AFC? Yeah, I think if you're talk if, if if you're a Chiefs fan, it's actually the team you're going to see in the next round, most likely. Uh, obviously, you know we'll probably hope for a pass up that Saturday night, but it's the Bills. It, it is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, there's a team that's been here the most. If you're talking about the other the other teams, you know these young quarterbacks that are exciting, like a Joe Burr. I, I guess Mac Jones maybe isn't as exciting, but yeah, they, they, they do look like they're playing well this year, and maybe even better than Josh Allen this year, right? Allen hasn't had a very good year; he was much better last year. But all that to say, he has the talent, man, right? He can turn it on, go on a hot streak. They have talent around him. You know, Stephon Diggs is still one of the best receivers in the NFL. And their coach is really good. And they have a really good defense. And, and the, the biggest point is that they've been here, right? They, they, they were in the AFC Championship last year. They kind of have that similar feel. Maybe not, the, maybe not a similar feel, but uh, a similar setup as the 2019 Chiefs when they're going into this year as a team that, you know, they got to a point And, you know, if they're young quarterback, they feel good about it. But now they want to come back and get further past that point right so I really think it's, it's Allen and the Bills and that's why if you're the Chiefs yeah you know you got the Steelers first round you're feeling good but that second round I in my opinion you're facing the team you know the bet the other best team in the AFC right now I tend to think the Patriots upset that game and and it'll be Chiefs and Bengals next week but that's why we're gonna watch the whole weekend right we get to find out who the the Chiefs play next well who do you fear more the Bengals or the, the Bills 
Mm. I think to me, it it it's a, that's a tough call. Probably the Bengals at this point. I just think they have more swagger, and, and they just did it, and probably would have more belief than the Bills. I I know the Bills were able to do it early in the season, but you got to throw out games early in the season. That's a long time ago. Ron, let's talk about this game quick. And you're coming off an interesting game against the Denver Broncos where you probably should have lost, but you, you were able to get the W because of that big play by Melvin Ingram and Nick Bolton running it back. What was your greatest concern coming out of that game and as you look towards Sunday night? Yeah, I mean, you got to be a little concerned about the defense, right? I mean, all of a sudden, these last two games, they've really resorted in terms of just statistics and kind of how they look. You've seen a lot of missed tackles. They've really resorted to what they looked like at the beginning of the season when everyone was talking about them being a historically all-time bad defense. Now, I don't think that means they're all of a sudden, you know, that bad and, and we should expect bad performances. I, I honestly tend to think that, you know, I know they should have had more of a sense of urgency against Cincinnati, right? You know, you have the one seat on the line still. I think that Denver game, man, you saw the turf. You saw the field. I really think there's a lot of business decisions happening yeah. because they are going to the playoffs, right? They know they're going to the playoffs. They know they're going to have a home game the next week. You know, hopefully they have that bye week, so they're still playing for something. But I don't know. I, 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 think, I think some of those tackling things are really just just not wanting to – you know, that field is just so bad. You're not able to get a grip on the field. And, yeah. and when, you're, when you have a big running back running vertical, running forward, and you have to change direction, it can just be tough. So it looked like the tackling was bad. I, I do want to kind of give them a little bit of a break. But you do have to say that it, it has been worse the past two weeks, and they just don't look like the defense um, that went on that eight-game you know, eight win streak and, and really uh, turned it around. But with the offense playing like they're, they are – more points per drive than any other team in the NFL. Can the defense maybe take a step back with this offense going forward? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I think that that's where I tend to get to with, with this, where we're at right now is that I, I really think the offense is at a point where we should trust them to look like any other postseason offense uh, that we've seen in with Mahomes, right? The Chiefs actually averaged 34 points per game outside of last year's Super Bowl. I'm excluding that, but uh, 34 points per game in the playoffs in Mahomes' career and it's always, it's always been 30-plus, right? They, the only time they didn't go over 30-plus in a, in a playoff game was the Browns game last year where Mahomes goes out right, at, you know, right after halftime. So I, I, think we will, I think the offense is in that groove where we should expect at least 30-plus points, and that means the defense doesn't need to be elite, doesn't need to be holding anyone to 9, 10 points, but they still need, do need to be able to make plays. And, and I, think, I think they have the playmakers to do that. That's why I don't want to freak out over the last two games Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, this is Arrowhead Pride Radio. We're talking to our lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com, Ron Kopp. Ron does our opponent scout each and every week. As you begin to scout the Steelers, probably not a ton different from the last time around three weeks ago, what is a scenario, let's let's talk about worst case here for, for Kansas Cityans, what's a scenario that you could see the, the Steelers possibly pulling off what is a, a two-score point spread upset on Sunday night. Yeah, and, and I think, first of all, you have to be able to score points if you're Pittsburgh. So I think, real quick, I think they really need to just hammer and spam getting the ball to either Deontay Johnson on quick routes and you know getting, letting him be a yak monster because he is a really good player. I think, I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the league, and I think with a better quarterback, he'd be recognized as one of the better receivers. Yak and then monster. also Najee Harris. Stop just giving him the ball on simple handoffs up the middle. Get him in, in creative formations. Get him as a receiver. Get him the ball in space. I think if they just spam those kind of things, that's their best shot to score. But, but you know, it, it, the Steelers' defense, is the, it's the defense that needs to really step up, right? I think we all understand that their offense can't score too many points. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Last time, 
TJ Watt didn't, you know, he didn't have to, uh, you know, he didn't have, he didn't have the, the full health. And I think that really contributed to how well the, the Chiefs were able to dice them up. Patrick Mahomes last time was barely pressured. He was only pressured on eight dropbacks. But on those eight dropbacks, according to PFF, he did not complete a single pass. He was 0 for 6 when under pressure against the Steelers last time. He just never had to really be under pressure, right? Because from a clean right. pocket, he, he, was, he was unbelievable. So all that to say, if they have a healthy T.J. Watt, and they do have, you know, Cameron Hayward's a good player, and Alex Heisman is a good player, if all three of those can start to get pressure more in Mahomes, that, that can obviously, you know, make a difference. He just didn't experience it last time, and that might have been why it became such a blowout. If they can get more pressure this time, it might be a closer game. A quick point, Jay, and I'll throw it back to you. This was, as a reminder, the game in which Patrick Mahomes had like an hour uh, before he had to throw that, that touchdown pass to, to Byron Pringle, and so the protection was good. You'd like to see that again on, on Sunday night. Yeah, you look at the Steelers, their blitz percentage, 16th in the NFL, but they're number one in sacks, and I guess it'd be concerning because T.J. Watt is healthier, even though he played 55% of the snaps that first meeting, but that was the COVID game. Yeah. When three of the top four receivers were undrafted, both top running backs undrafted, DiCaprio Boodle and Ben Neiman led the team in tackles, and Boodle went straight back to the practice squad after that, so... But as Andy Reid said, you know, teams do change. And you got to look at this Pittsburgh team as you do, Ron. And, yeah, they did beat the Ravens twice. Chiefs lost the Ravens. They hammered the Bills at home. Chiefs lost to the Bills. The Steelers beat the Titans. Chiefs lost to the Titans. So they have beaten some teams that the Chiefs lost. Now, it all matters when you played them. Chiefs weren't playing good football there. But as Andy Reid said, teams do make adjustments. Outside of maybe the turnovers – Maybe getting to the quarterback. What other thing do you think got is better than the last time the Chiefs played them? Uh, in terms of the Steelers, what's better for them? What, what well, the, the Chiefs had they were plus three in turnovers in that game. Steelers turned over three times. I mean, that made a big difference in that game. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and that's the thing. The whole season, right? Whenever the Chiefs win the turnover battle, and that's just a basic football thing, right? If you win the turnover battle, you're going to win the game most likely. Um, but, yeah, when the Chiefs, the Chiefs have had spurts of in, in, incredible turnover luck in terms of it's bad and then also on the good side. So, yeah, I, I, that was one of those games. And if the Chiefs don't shoot themselves in the foot this game, it, it could go a similar way because I do think the Steelers in their relaxed mindset. You heard Big Ben today. I think I do think that mindset is good for them, right? If they're going to compete in this game, it is good for them to not really feel any pressure with it. But I do think that could result in Big Ben maybe slinging it a little too much, right? And, these, and, and you know, a Tyron Matthew and, and some of these corners that are hungry to – prove that they're still you know good after some of these performances the last two weeks i think that could turn into some turnovers so i could definitely see that still being the case this game great stuff ron cop lead analyst arrowheadpride.com here on arrowhead pride radio ron joins us at 6 15 each wednesday and of course he uh, joins uh, my night show as well ron right. fun talking to you we'll talk to you again next week hopefully about the divisional round and not about the season wrap-up <laughs> <laughs> Not the last yes, hour, sir. Good talking to you guys. There you go, Rob. Yeah, I'm really hoping not to wrap this thing up. I would Jay, I, I couldn't help my, myself from thinking. We're talking about DiCaprio Boodle. If you were Jay Boodle, it would be boot at night. Boot at night? Right. Yeah, that. Yeah, how about him? He leads the team of Techers straight back to practice squad. <laughs> well, he, you know what, though? Welcome to life in the NFL. Should he take Zane you. Anderson's spot, though? Because Zane's cost him 14 oh, points wow. the last I mean, two weeks. I, I mean, that's a move that I'd consider. You're talking about player 53. I don't I'd know. That, consider Boodle. That's a deep debate. I you know I, I could understand where where the boot man would come up for for a game here. It's a big game. Is, Anderson's made two big mistakes in a row. Why not why not bring up the boot man? It's Pete Sweeney, editor in chief, arrowheadpride.com. We come back. A guy making a big difference for this defense. He seems to be a common theme of what people are asking questions about. I'll tell you who next. You're listening.
listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. They got quality edge people. Um, and Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram. Uh, Melvin has been an awesome addition to him, particularly in terms of the point of attack. He takes a lot of the run game responsibilities. He plays on the tight end side or the three-man surface, and Melvin's the type of guy um, that you can't trade one for one with. This guy comes off one-on-one blocks and makes tackles. I mean, that was a big play he made last week um, that got him out of that stadium, blowing up that run in the backfield. It's Mike Tomlin on his world-famous press conferences. You're listening to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley in the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. Token. Pete Sweeney. Pete, Melvin Ingram, There's uh, they finally acknowledged him outside of, uh, what do you say last time, Tomlin? Well, we don't hold, hold players for ransom. We're, hostage. Donald. Hostage or whatever. He was a we hostage. Let him and, go. And and Mike Tomlin, as it turns out, he, he prefers volunteers. Well, he screwed up. They screwed up. Yeah. They traded him the Chiefs. They had to face him twice. He acknowledged him. I know there's been a couple writers in Pittsburgh saying, looking at the stat sheet, saying, well, he's doing the same thing he did in Pittsburgh. But Tomlin knows he's made a difference to this defense. You, by watching it every day, Pete, and going to practice, you know he's made a difference. You even have guys like Travis Kelsey talking about Melvin Ingram as the, the swag champ, man. You bring you bring a guy with that much juice mm. and that much swagger about himself, um, <laughs> a, a perennial All Star throughout his entire career. I mean, that's a that's a odd. I mean, that makes everybody play better. It, it is, it, it, and you saw it immediately how much more fun the guys were having. I mean, not not that you know we weren't on that track to getting better. I, I do believe that we have we had a lot of guys that were you know. Um, figuring it out both offensively and defensively. And sure enough, um, when he came in, it's it's kind of like, yeah, everybody started clicking even more. Should we call him the swag champ? I, I don't know. I, I, when Kelsey said that, I was on the Zoom too. When Kelsey said that, I, I was a little upset. This is, that's what I call you. I think you're the, you're the swag <laughs> champ. Right, Jay? But he, all the players Pat was asked about him, Walk, Andy's been asked about him. Walks around a little swagger, swag right? 610 Sports Radio, kind of talks to everyone, kisses babies around. You're, you're the swag champ, Jay. But we could, I guess you, this city is big enough for two swag champs, so Melvin as well. Swag champs made a big difference this team. I mean, have you noticed it at all watching him inside and out? <laughs> I, think, I love the fact he says, I play violent. I legalize the way to impact, play violent. Lucky Pete. Yeah, I think the impact is, is hard to wrap your head around because he does have – the quarterback pressures and he has made big plays who knows what the chiefs would be dealing with if he didn't make that play last week and in slipping and in seed and whatnot so i i think there's direct impact and i think there's indirect impact the everyone you talk to on the team says he's he's brought a swagger a leadership to that room maybe a little bit of an older leadership than they have had ingram is is 32 years old and has still been productive and it allowed the chiefs to and we got to be clear here, move Chris Jones in more. He's still doing both, but he's in, inside more than he was. And I think that is such an advantage because now you're getting what is an elite player instead of an above average edge player on the outside. And then when Chris Jones gets in that Jones zone, then you have Jaron Reed playing better. And then by default, Frank Clark is playing better and they're just working together as a whole. And when the front four is playing well, it goes to the second level and then to the third level and so on because – we know that's, that that Steve Spagnuolo defense, when it's at its most successful, those front four are cooking. And it really felt like this was a lockbox, and Melvin Ingram 
came from Pittsburgh and had the perfect key to open that bad boy up. And yeah, there's been some slips here, but for the most part, especially during that eight game win streak, as Ron Kopp was saying, they were really, really playing well. And now you can get back to that against a team that you did dominate three weeks ago. How would you compare this to Terrell Suggs coming in? I've heard a lot of the same things as far as off the field. Yeah. I think Melvin makes more of an influence on the field. Again, it's not about getting six or seven sacks. Suggs was, it's about making a difference in a game. Suggs was, to me, more of a a confidence thing. Not to keep going back to the same word, but his was more off the field, that championship swag. Because remember, when Suggs came here, the Chiefs hadn't won a Super Bowl in 50 years, right? So, okay, so he can be the swag champ. Suggs got the first actual championship. We can, we'll can we see if Melvin Ingram can do that. But the players would talk as they were going into it because a lot of these guys had never won a title. Suggs had done it with the Baltimore Ravens, and I think gave them a certain blueprints of how to be a pro and how to get this thing done. And he's, he's, he's dancing after the Super Bowl in Miami, and he's holding up. Uh, the Lombardi Trophy, and he was able to get two rings out of his career at the end there. And remember, he wasn't even sure if he was going to come to Kansas City. Andy Reid had to get on the phone and, and got him here, and, and Suggs really took to Andy Reid, and I think you could say the same for, for Melvin Ingram. Now, on the other side, it's Pittsburgh's best player, T.J. Watt. Coach, the, the first time around, uh, T.J. Watt likely to be the defensive player of the year, pretty banged up, uh, this time a little bit healthier. So how much do you have to be cognizant of, of what he does in, in, to ensure that maybe he doesn't wreck your game plan? Yeah, he sure looked healthy yesterday, and I wouldn't slight 56 on the other side either. They've got good rushers, 97 is a pro bowler too, and a big-time player. Um, th- those guys are um, – that's a that's a healthy defensive front that, that can bring it, and Watt, Watt is uh, one of the best in the business at it. So, yes, I would tell you we need to uh, be aware of them. 22-and-a-half sacks. The guy's got an unbelievable motor. He's one you always have to constantly worry about. I, I think it's great the Chiefs in Cincinnati. Seventh best pass rushing defense. Trey Hendrickson, 14 sacks. Didn't take advantage of Orlando Brown not being in. Niang getting hurt. Right. But Watt is a guy that can create turnovers. We know he had the rib problem the game before, but he did play 55% mm-hmm. of the snaps. Playing much healthier at this point. Just Pittsburgh. And again, 55 sacks leads the NFL. They don't. They don't blitz a lot, but they get to the quarterback with the front four. Well, I think the big thing is is he's going to be more of a problem in this game than he was. I mean, that is a fact. Just because you're playing through a ribs injury, you're having limited snaps, it's hard for you to even get into a rhythm in the game. And then, you know, you're talking about possibly, if not in my opinion, I, I believe him to be right now the best defensive player in the league. And when you have the best defensive player in the league, that's the angle for you to win. Now, you, you do have to put up points, and we do worry about – can the Pittsburgh Steelers put up enough points to have what Watt can maybe do to ruin a drive or two or three really matter? And I I think that's going to be the meat of this game. It's can the Steelers offense do enough for the amount of drives that TJ Watt in a sense is going to be able to ruin. The Steelers are just a much better team when this guy is healthy and he's playing well and he, and he wasn't healthy in that last game. So that is a a difference that I I think we got to be watching and we'll see how the Chiefs deal with it. I, I think they've done well this year with really talented defenders. I think of the job they've done against Max Crosby and not allowing him to ruin a game twice, right? Because that was one of the better uh, – th- those were two of the better offensive performances for the Chiefs against the Raiders this year. Not the same player. I think this is still a more dominant player, maybe by a little bit there with with, with Watt. But I, I think the Chiefs have what it takes to, to make sure that he's kept at bay and you can allow the offense to, to cook. 
If you have a question for Pete, J. Southland Tow Service, text line 913-576-7610. Hashtag Ask Pete. When we come back, I'm going to ask Pete who he thinks has been the most influential rookie for the Kansas City Chiefs this year, plus a little huge nugget from NFL Network about the Big Chiefs' nuggets. offensive line. Big nugget. Big nugget. Chag Swamp or Swag Champ. Swag Pete Sweeney. Next. Swag Champ. Listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger, Jay Binkley, with the editor in chief, ArrowheadPride.com. One Pete Sweeney. It's like Friday Night Lights music ending our show here. Pete, there was one thing said on NFL Network, which I found rather interesting. It was James Palmer, who covers the Chiefs quite a bit for NFL Network, lives in Denver, so he knows those coaches out there quite a bit. He dropped this little nugget about Joe Tooney. I've talked to some coaches before that Broncos game, Andrew, and they really believe Joe Tooney coming in at the left guard may be one of the best free agent signings this offseason in the entire league. He has given up one sack in 805 pass blocking, blocking snaps this season. One sack. That's it. And he has been tremendous in the locker room as well for their two rookies that are on this offensive line. You heard Aditi talking about the importance of rookies understanding the playoffs. He's going to play a vital role this week, to my understanding, in helping out Creed Humphreys, their starting rookie center, who is the only center that has a pro football focus grade for the season above 90 in the NFL. And then Trey Smith next to him. These three guys, Aditi, are the only ones above Patrick Mahomes in terms of snaps for this Chiefs offense. So they rely on them heavily. They're out there every single snap. And they believe Joe Tooney, what he has done, not just from how he's played, but has leadership with these young guys, is extremely important. And that interior against Cam Hayward, Aditi, very, very important to keep Patrick Mahomes clean. He certainly made a big difference. Obviously, Hendrickson with Cincinnati was a big offseason move as well. But Joe Tooney coming to Kansas City brings that experience because this team already has been to Super Bowl two times. But he's the only player ever in NFL history to start three straight Super Bowls his first three years in the NFL when he was with the Patriots. But he helped Creed, Trey Smith. These guys look up to him. We saw him move to left tackle in a pinch against Cincinnati. They paid him uh, well, They paid him more than any other guard. But just the fact the Chiefs had to rebuild this offensive line. and they, Oh, good bless you, They Jay. went with Tooney. Sorry, Pete. Whoa. Pepper. Yeah, they went with Tooney. And I, I think that was the first piece of what was – they needed to get someone like him in, right? Because he has that veteran experience. He can help other young guys out. I, I think they knew that they were going to try to draft some potential starters. They were able to nail two, a second rounder and a, and a six rounder there. And then you got the Orlando Brown piece and hasn't really worked out at right tackle. It's been a little bit of a carousel there. You've had to go from Niang and, and Remmers to, on some starts back to Niang. And now it's probably going to be Wiley for the rest of the season, you know, into the playoffs and into this run here. And uh, it's been a a complete rebuild. And a lot of times you have these conversations in March and, you know, you'll say something like, man, if the Chiefs can just get their offensive line right and rebuild it, they'll be good to go. The idea of that happening in one offseason is just so uncommon and so hard to do. So I I think that if you're looking at really points to praise the personnel staff, you got to start right there. So with Tooney coming in, if whether you want to say it's the best offseason move or not, the Melvin Ingram deal, you could clearly say he's the best offseason uh, move at the trade deadline yeah. to help a defense. These are good Brett Veach moves. Right. And then with the drafting as well in the second round with Bolton and Creed Humphrey, mm-hmm. which leads to my next question, with Nick Bolton and what he's done with his defense 
with Creed Humphrey, and you know Creed is good. The stardom right. is the best uh, uh, offensive lineman at center in the National Football League. Trey Smith starting. Yeah, you know, rookie of the year with the Chiefs has gone back to Marcus Cooper getting this award at some point. Like, right. you, do you really depend on these rookies this year? They've really depended on the rookies to be a big part of this football team. Who do you think's had the biggest influence of all the rookies? Well, I hope Cody Tapp isn't listening because I I think it's been Nick Bolton. I I just I think he's been the most pro ready player. He's looked at the part. He he has stepped up in big moments. He has all these tackles for loss. He led the team in tackles and then is a rotational player. Like maybe we like Nick Bolton more than Steve Spagnolo does, quite honestly. And I, I just think the Chiefs had needed a, a linebacker like that for a long time and we were so focused on Willie Gay and what he could do that we kind of overlooked the potential of of this other guy in Bolton. And you know, as we looked toward the offseason, we're gonna go through the playoffs first, of course. This is going to be the next guy, and he's really made a, a case above and beyond for moving on from an Anthony Hitchens. And that was the point, and, and that was another thing. Like, kind of what I just said about the offensive line, they needed to find someone that could be that Mike for you, and I think they got it in, in Nick Bolton. Our first uh, ask Pete comes from the 913. All right, Pete, you don't have to name names, but hmm. what would you draft if you were the Chiefs in the first round? What's that position you yeah. think could really help this football team out? Has to be edge. Right. I mean, you got to see what the board dictates. And, and I know that Brett Feach will be looking for the like, board speaks. Those. That's right. That's right. The board does speak. It's like a Ouija board. And what about wide receiver, though? You say, yeah, no. But what, if, what if a wide receiver? Cause no, because edges, great edges typically go because you're not going to extend McColl. And I and I think he showed flashes. I think you got to give him a real opportunity. And Byron Pringle has been fine. I I you're going to be weak at edge because I think you have to move on from Frank Clark with that money. And I think he, he gets more money elsewhere. And if you don't bring Ingram back, you're just really, really light there. And I, I think the Chiefs learned their lesson in, in the idea of, like, do we move Chris Jones to edge? The answer is no. Well, uh, we, were all, we were all wrong about that. There's two things they obviously wanted. They didn't think they were complete because they did make a hard press at Juju. And I think Juju's going to be a free agent again. Yeah, and Melvin Ingram. It's a shame those, those two guys, that they, which they needed. Gallup and Godwin. receiver two and Edge. Gallup and Godwin were two really interesting candidates that were supposed to hit the free agency market, and both got hurt at the end of the year. And it's like, when are they even going to be ready? And is that a bad signing? Now it really confuses team. Maybe you get a Gallup at a, a discount that you wouldn't have, but are the Chiefs even really interested in that? We'll see what they can take care of in free agency. I think Edge is the most pressing need at this juncture, though. So, so Edge and wide receiver two. Sure, I'll give you. I'll give you the second, probably wide receiver. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, hashtag S Pete from eight one six. If the Jags can beat the Colts, <laughs> does this mean the Steelers could beat the Chiefs? No. Let's not. Let's not use this transitive property in the NFL. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. This is this is a game we play on the field. You play to win the game. You play it on the field. Six degrees of rubbering. Right. No, we're not going to do A plus B equals C or what is it, whatever it is. A is greater than B, D. and B is greater than. C and A's. I don't know. Pete, what's Trans- coming up on Arrowhead Pride the rest of the week? Arrowhead Pride will keep you updated on the injury reports. We'll keep the podcast channel going. Everything you need to know about this game coming up on Sunday night should be a fun rest of the week, and uh, we appreciate your attention. Hope, hope you spend it with us. Look forward to talking about the divisional round. Yeah, that's with right. Sweeney. The Big D, as they call it. <laughs> it's not what they call it, Pete. <laughs> Thanks to Ron Kopp, lead analyst from arrowheadpride.com for joining us. Thanks to producing Rob Britton. Thanks a lot, Pete Sweeney. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll podcast this out.